Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerd She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeele. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. We don't have to clap because we're in person and it's all one track. So it's Friday. This is not Dave. The Twitter NBA show. No, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit's not as easy as it looks, is it? Seth? That's right. Took, took what? Like hello four and words? welcome to the four Athletic words? NBA show. It's Friday. I'm Dave before, not Seth Part now, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote. Suck it, Seth. You couldn't have done a worse job of trying to take over the intro. Like, you honestly, you didn't even get the name of the show right. The Twitter show? Can we start over? No. No. Keep it in. And that's the going on the pod. Been in Vegas <laughs> the Threads one NBA night. show? You've the Blue Sky? <laughs> the Mastodon NBA show? The Mastodon show, NBA show? The Fediverse show. NBA show? No, no. Well, let's just go with that. This is, you were, at, you've been in Vegas one night? So I think we're, was in we're bed at like nine o'clock. We're, we're burying oh, the lead. Oh wait, Seth Partnow, Modakil, Dave DeFore, we're, all in the same room at the same time. Not for the first time, but the first time we've ever recorded an episode of Nerder, all in the same room. Because usually when we have the opportunity here in Vegas at Summer League, I am in the basement at this time of day. So out the gimp. Yeah, so uh, now I'm going to have to cut that. Uh, so the one time we get a chance, and, and man, I lucked into – shout out to the Virgin Hotel, always taking care of me when I come through for Summer League, and uh, hooked me up with a suite so we had a place to record. It's Thursday. We're recording the day before Las Vegas Summer League starts, and the big news of the day this afternoon – and it was shocking to me. And everybody, I, I talk about simulation theory a lot to you guys. Um, apparently, Victor Wimanyama's security people got into it with Britney Spears. And this is, uh, Chat GPT gave us this prompt. This is one of the most, like, re- like how is this even a story? It's, it's, a ra- it's a random collection of names. Someone just grabbed names and something that happened it's like a game of clue so this is a little bit full circle for me um and and maybe almost karma uh uh, so in 2005 my best friend from law school shout out to uh, amanda then alvarez now foley got married at caesar's palace and i was walking to the chapel back behind caesar's palace and this phalanx of very large men came walking towards me and basically shoved me into a hedge 
and it was Britney Spears' security detail walking through, shoving me off the pathway. So, did you file a lawsuit? Or did nah, you it was just funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, apparently that's what Britney Spears. Doing. I don't even really know this story. I've been on a plane. Britney Spears wanted to congratulate Victor Wembanyama. She recognized him. Hey, this is great news for the NBA. He's very recognizable. I mean, a seven foot five guy walking around in a restaurant on a random Wednesday. It's not actually not a random Wednesday, but on a Wednesday in Las Vegas, that guy stands out. Britney Spears recognized him, wanted to congratulate him. This is according to you know the reports, and reached out and tapped him on the shoulder or something, and the security people reacted fast. Does this mean the Spurs are going to make it so that he doesn't play any games in Vegas <laughs> now? Is this going to be the their Spurs excuse? set it up? This, this the is Spurs be their set excuse. this up. It's Britney Gate. <laughs> I have a serious factual question: Can she reach his shoulder? Well, that's no. interesting. Does she have no. the standing reach? Does she <laughs> I actually? I think I can, and I'm taller than her. <laughs> the standing reach to touch his shoulder. I mean, what is that? It's about I don't know. It's like six ten. Nah, she's. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. We gotta. We gotta take Britney Spears to the combine to get to the bottom of this. Uh, anyway, guys, we're here at summer league. Um, it's my favorite time of year. It's my favorite basketball of the year. It's the most earnest basketball that we get. You know, that youthful sort of exuberance as well, where the guys are trying to earn a job or, or just earn a spot or just show off. I mean, Keegan Murray was amazing the other day. Did you guys see that off the dribble? He's doing what he's supposed to do, right? This is one of those things where I'm giving him a good pat on the back. I'm not like, all right, we got to max this guy. But that's the kind of stuff I want to see. A guy come in, do his job, and he shouldn't have to play any more summer league games, right? Dave. I mean, what do you mean earnest basketball? It's some of the worst basketball I've ever but that's, seen. It, it's still at earnest. It's earnest. It's not good, it's, but it's earnest. It's guy's very trying hard. hard. Yeah, very, I like very, it. Very try hard stuff. Yeah. But more importantly, to your point about Keegan Murray, and he still needs to play a few more summer leagues. Sure, you don't get just one, and then you you do the thing, and that's it. But I think more second year players need to be playing to get opportunities like this. Keegan Murray, when he's playing with the Kings, will not get a lot of those opportunities, but it's a good thing for them to develop it, have him go at it, and and from there they can build that into their offense throughout the season and the playoffs. And he won't get the opportunities necessarily right away, but think about what Memphis did with Desmond Bain. And Desmond Bain, now Desmond Bain was doing this in college, right? He was playing off the dribble, but his first year they didn't give him the opportunities to run an offense. They brought him out to Vegas, and he was crushing. Him and Xavier Tillman were were just, oh, we're going to do whatever we feel like doing, whatever's fun, and, and, it, and it works. Keegan Murray, this is great. I agree with you. I don't understand. Why didn't the Rockets send everybody? Their whole team is third year at most. I mean, it's just uh, – Summer League is such a great opportunity to get a jump start on this season, especially for guys – I mean, rookies, look, you're, you're coming in – you're scuffling. You're trying to figure out what it's like to even be a professional athlete, much less be in the NBA. It's so hot outside. You get off the bus. You know, you've got to go here. you got to go get your pictures taken. You're doing all this stuff. Second-year guys have to do some of that, but it's not the same because they've been here before. And I think the second year is probably when you get a chance to actually grow as opposed to the first year where you're just like, okay, i got to tread water. i got to make it through these two weeks and, and hope everything, you know, is good for training camp. Yes, I think that part of the reason is is there's not really in the in most cases. I mean, there are are instances like Keegan Murray, like 
Desmond Bain you mentioned, where there you have a specific plan where we're going to put this guy in situations, get him reps that maybe he didn't do last year. For the most part, for second-year guys, summer league is only downside because the reason why it's so sloppy and what Dave is calling earnest and you're calling bad and both are true is that everyone's trying really hard and going way too fast and playing faster than they can process. And for second-year guys who play, anyone who's gotten NBA minutes should be able to come in, play at their own speed, and just based on that, I don't want to say dominate, but I'll say dominate. And if you don't, if you got NBA rotation minutes your first year and you're not here like, okay, well, I, I played three all last year, but I'm playing point guard at that summer league. Unless you're doing something like that and you don't, that's a worrying sign. Like, you know, Keegan Murray is it, like being great here is checking a box. Of course he is. Play a couple games. There's not really a lot more to do. Right. But I, I think it's also, though, like to your point, those guys, I'm not going to go dominant. They should stand out. Yes. And, like, an example is last year, Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy came in second year, really kind of stood out, did a good job, and was getting acclimated with playing with Chet Holmgren. It kind of goes a little bit, you know, to building that chemistry as well when you have a young team and you're kind of going along with, like, let's get these guys going. Chet Holmgren's a big piece. You kind of start building that chemistry, that sort of that institutional knowledge, of course, didn't work out. We know how it went with, with his injury and things like that, but obviously nobody had that foresight with those things. I really think it's important for the second-year guys, more than the rookies, because I feel like, again, for the rookies, it's just for us to get to watch. Like, when I'm watching the rookies, my thing is I just want to know – I just want to get an idea for their feel, especially because I don't watch a lot of college basketball, if any. So a lot of these guys I'm watching for the first time, I want to get their feel. It's the second-year guys I'm paying more attention to because exactly what you said, Seth – if you get rotation minutes and you come out here and you look lost, man, I'm I'm beginning to worry and 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 wonder about you. Second year player, we have an idea of who he is at the end of that season and what we want to see in the development curve. It more so than like a rookie, like you said, a rookie. And I'm the same way as you. I try to give these guys a clean slate because and part of that was because I used to do so much draft scouting. And it would almost be useless because, I mean, frankly, the way I do things is a little too intense, and I would be looking at 65 guys, and that's not not smart for, for me. I cover the NBA, not the draft. But also, I ha would have a little bit too much of an inherent bias to be like, wait, I know this guy can do this thing, but I saw him against lesser competition and stuff like that. So I like to see, like to your point, I like to see what it looks like. Everybody on that court is at least somewhere close to an NBA athlete. There's nobody out there that... Like, if you're out in summer league, you're almost definitely an NBA athlete, close to an NBA player, and you're at least on somewhere near the same level of competition with just about everybody else. And so at least that's the first place I get to see something, and I know what the standard is. And then, to your point again, I, I love to see the second-year guys because that's when you get to see, okay, so I know what this guy was at the end of his rookie year. What is he working on? What are they telling him they want him to pick up? Because that's what we really see. And it's the, the best part about this is there's no stakes. That's it. This is this is this is going to be the best games they're going to get to play in until they get to training camp. Because we know the summer runs; those don't really replicate. Well, there's no double basketball. teams. No <laughs> double teams. <laughs> Work on your game. But they don't. But they don't replicate actual basketball in these sense. No refs. No clock. 
all that stuff that goes into it. So this is kind of the opportunity to be, you know, especially if you're a team that didn't make the playoffs and you should have been working on your stuff, you know, kind of beginning to kind of work on your development plan, you should have something here. But the other thing too, and one, one more aspect to it too, is this also shows me which teams have a plan already. Because the teams, the, the roster they put together, how they build their roster, what they're, they have specific goals they're trying to get out of Summer League. And there are some teams that just have no idea. I mean, those agent favors aren't going to do themselves for, for a lot of teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that it's important for first-year guys in this is sort of, uh, you know, we're not in Kansas, we're not at Kansas anymore. And now this is the next level. I up. see what you did. There. I see what I did there. And then we're you're you're going so fast, and we see a lot of guys, you know, out of their comfort zone, doing things that they 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 don't know how to do because they're they're not really operating on muscle memory anymore. And that that can kind of skew our view of people. It's a hard environment for bigs to show well because it's right. like dominated by guards, like who are going too fast and can't get guys the ball. But on the other end, I think it can also give us sort of too good an impression of guys. Of There's just kind of a certain group of guys who come in who already sort of play with pace. And I think that that to some degree, Cade Cunningham, when he was here his rookie year, I think Jaime Jaquez is a guy this year who, um, you know, especially guys who have the, the size to be able to handle the ball and, and not be pressured by little guards, but play with pace, already kind of understand those things. They're the guys who aren't getting sped up, so they kind of stand out because they're more just playing basketball. And that's it's not a bad sign, but I think we can overvalue the degree to which that means they're ready to play NBA basketball. The other thing, too, that's important people have to understand. Yo, if a kid sucks here, doesn't mean he sucks. If a kid's great here, doesn't mean he's going to be great. This is a very, like, it's a weird environment. Well, no, Mo, too. don't take this away from me. I'm, I'm hot-taking... All of Summer League. And you guys know I don't get to watch Summer League basketball until after Summer League. But I'm going to hot take everything. That's it. Brandon Miller is Sam Bowie. That's it. There, there, there we go. But the other thing, too, that I found interesting is the coaches. And what I mean by it is it's very interesting, very impressed, and this is a rare one here, that Nick Nurse decided to coach his, the, the Sixers for the first couple of games when they played in Sacramento. And I thought that was smart. And the idea of is I have new assistant coaches. I need people to start learning the terminology and how I'm going to operate. It's an opportunity for him to almost just coach a game so people get the idea of how I want to operate during games and things like that. We'll, they'll get more chances through preseason and stuff. But a nice little early jump on it. We know the first-year head coaches who always kind of jump in and coach the summer league team again, so they kind of get grounded in that stuff. There's always those smart stuff there. I, I was really impressed with the fact that Nick Nurse was, hey, I'm going to coach the first couple of games, and now I think Rico Hines is coaching the rest of the way. Maybe Keegan Murray should just stick around and try to like give the Kings a title. Like, What if, the, what if Keegan Murray was like, you know what, guys? I got this. Put up 40 a game? That would be impressive. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, what do you guys? Uh, let's, let's, the Summer League Championship is not impressive. I, I don't know, man. I don't, tell that to Portland. Tell that to Portland. Uh, you know, they, they get rings. It's actually it's nice. It's a fun thing. You should want to win Summer League. You should want to win everything. What are you guys looking forward to at Summer League and non-Victor Wimbenyama edition? Because, yes, we are all looking forward to Victor Wimbenyama. I think that's obvious. I think all the the not just breathless draft coverage, but just coverage in general. Uh, he is by far the most hyped guy in maybe NBA history. I don't know if we need to say how much we want to see him. But what are you guys looking forward to seeing? I really like the remember some guys aspect of summer league. I was actually pretty disappointed when uh, Jabari Parker was, was originally on the Bucks summer league roster and ended up having to, to pull out for, uh, for family reasons is, is what was reported. But you just get that every year. It's like, I remember that guy, like, you know, Christian Ienga shows up or, or, or uh, whoever I have, I haven't, uh, I, I have to find who the guy who I'm most happy to see just, you know, was a really good college player. Probably had a good year in Europe. Is our guy is our guy Thomas Walkup on a on a summer league roster? I, I don't think so. I haven't uh, seen oh, it yet. It's too bad. That's a that's a first off. Oh my god, that's the perfect set. I love this guy, summer league guy, all Thomas Walkup. And 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 I mean, that's a deep, deep, deep cut for even the nerder crowd to have to figure out who the hell he is. But that's 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 perfect. That is so on par for you. Well, thank you. Did I'm, Kevin Punter ever play Summer League? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he has. Uh, Corey Higgins. If we're just going to go EuroLeague guys that I wish would have played Summer League. But sometimes you do see, like, uh, 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 Jock Landale came and was right. like, all right. Uh, you know, he had been out of, out of college for a couple of years, and he was very much kind of like, I'm the only 6'11 guy in this small conference. And then he, he went and played overseas for a couple of years and, and developed kind of some face-up skills and some movement and space skills. And was like, all right, this might be something. And and those those are the kind of guys who are who are interesting to see. Um, you know, PJ Tucker was another guy after he had gone overseas and came back, and he was just he was first of all he's a cheat code for for like there was a a, a very good uh, Grizzlies team that had like it was like Conley Mayo Darrell Arthur uh, Javars Crittenden and 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 PJ Tucker in summer league they're just wrecking people and was pj tucker still playing off the dribble a lot then no he okay. he wasn't but and and he did, he was also coming off the bench cuz that was uh hashim the beats rookie year and that's sort of the downside of what you're looking to see is occasionally not more than occasionally there'll be a rookie and they step out on the court and it's just like you know it immediately and it's not like it's not right. like you know brandon miller struggled yeah yeah but I'm not. there's a there's sometimes guys that they run up and down the court twice and you're like yeah, it's more about the physical than it yeah. is like a, the ball going in like, the hoop. Like, you know, yeah. we didn't I think we didn't like the Johnny Davis pick last year and then, you know, if you had watched the their the Wizards summer league games last year, it's like one of these guys is a top 10 pick. He would not have been among the first four you you would have suggested. No. And and that's a second year guy that better pop a little bit in this in, in that sense to go back to what we're kind of referring to about summer league but i'm going to give you because you know seth went with like an obscure seth obsession there for what he's looking forward to and in, in summer league i'm looking forward to watching the thompson twins because i don't know how to evaluate overtime elite basketball i'm sorry like i said this is in the draft show like the, the, 
they have power plays. Like, how how much basketball are we really talking about here? Like, and those guys are older than most of the competition in, right. in that league. Like, like I, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting my first real taste of them playing actual basketball the way we would expect it to be played. So, I mean, like, those are two guys just off the top. I'm, I'm – need to make sure I watch just because I, I want to see them and see their feel for the game because they're going to play actual basketball games. That's that, that's the summer league setting is for, you know, getting a, a true sense of size and, like, athletic pop. Like, I remember when, when Steph was here his his rookie year he actually didn't shoot the ball very well right um but he was he was very poised very in control and he was actually this this is going to sound weird but he was actually a, a, a lot bigger than i thought he was going to be it's like huh that's interesting um and that and and so you went into the season with with you know um uh you know some more kind of hope that this 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 this, this might work out like you know because some of the worries you had was is he going to be small enough is he going to be able to handle the ball against athletic enough and like all those were he didn't he didn't really make a jumper but all those things were answered yeah just faster than everybody else and not, not even faster just in control yeah and able to like they no one could bother his dribble and and you know a lot of times the the guards are very physical and 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 do a lot of like pressuring the ball so you can kind of see if if someone's handle is loose like if a guard is handles loose, it's gonna get found out. Yeah, um, you know, for for me, I actually wanted to just see who comes out of summer league. Like, who is the guy that comes out of nowhere every year? I feel like there's a guy that's Tari just like Easton last year, right? Tari Easton last year, who even during the season, I mean, started the summer league. He became one of my favorite players uh, last year, and so. I always there's a guy that pops for me during summer league when I get a chance to sit and watch, and it's usually a guy that's a high energy guy, makes a couple shots, but always making some stuff happen. I, I think it could be Taylor Hendricks this year, three and D from day one. Like he's going to be a forty percent three point shooter, Calm really, down. really block some shots. I mean, he's a great catch and shoot three point shooter. Calm down. I, I think he's going to just I, pop right away. I, I'm. It, it, uh, sight unseen, I'll take the under on anybody you say is going to be a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, we'll, we'll find out, man. Is this a nerd or bet? Like, this, do we have a uh, thing going here? Is this going to be we're a... Gonna st- are we going to steal gimmicks from Nate and Danny? Is Watt that... Watfo, Watfo, yeah. Uh, this could be our first one if we were going to do it. Um, that would be a tough one, though. Well, yeah, bet on a, a rookie. Harsh word. It's not stealing. We're it's borrowing from a friend. It's an homage. <laughs> it's and they an took homage. it from Hudson Hawk anyway. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'll tell you another guy I'm interested in. I can't wait to watch Jaime Jaquez play. And I, even though he went to a stupid school, okay, um, and, and, and I made a point to not actually like him because he went to a dumbass school, uh, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah. Because he's going to be actually – he's actually going to be very pivotal for the rest of this offseason. Is it safe to say that right now he might be one of the more important rookies in the league because his trade value like he could get traded for Damian Lillard like he would be a big piece i think for portland from an asset standpoint he has so much weight it's amazing that we're saying this about a draft pick that's not like a top 5 guy the the interesting thing is just i mean you, you never know what a guy's going to become but right. projecting he's a guy who is going to be better on better teams because he's not a guy. I don't think he has like the 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 pop to be like, you know, we're gonna just put the ball in his hands. He's he is a guy who has a really I think profiles more as that like high level uh, connector. 
Um, I'm going to make a, a weird comparison because they're completely different size players, but a little bit like Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was he's fine in Detroit, but he's kind of wasted yeah. because there, there wasn't really anything going on. And then it's just like, well, he's not really a point guard. He's not really a two. Doesn't does he shoot it well enough? And then he gets on teams where he can he can you know fill in you know be a you know a six four short roll guy and, and those and and his range of skills and versatility starts to pop playing with better players. And I think that's true for Hawkes. And I wonder, I know why, like, Portland would want him in a trade, but I think he's going to be a better player for Miami than he would for Portland. Oh, well, I think we all felt like he if he wound up, it, we knew he was going to go to one of the good teams uh, around, what, 17, 18, 19. Uh, it was the Lakers, the Warriors, or, or the Heat. I mean, and they were a perfect situation for a guy like that. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that, that like that's where he that's who drafted it's, him. Basically. It's it's a good fit, but I think again, I'm just I'm excited to watch him play up 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 close and personal. Um, but I think this brings a very interesting question here, and I'm going to veer us a little bit into the Dame conversation. So I apologize. That's okay. Summer. What should the Blazers be looking for? Because everybody makes all their different million different trade scenarios, who they should go for, what's that, and what teams should actually trade for Dame? That's the trickier question, actually. Number one, okay, the Portland Trailblazers should trade Damian Lillard to whoever gives them the best deal. And if you're a team that feels like you want Damian Lillard and have enough to get him, he's on a four-year, he's got four years left on his contract. But what's the best deal for Portland? Because there's not always a best – like the best deal for Portland would not be the best deal for another team. Right. In terms of like what, what they would be – so so define it. What is So to, in your minds, when you're looking at Portland saying, what's the best deal? Like people always say like, oh, they should trade, try to tra get Jalen Brown. I said that doesn't make sense to me for Portland. My view of it for Portland is, yo, invest in your young guys and accept the fact that you're going to be bad for a little bit. And try to build your asset pool, whether it's picks or young players. That needs to be your your ultimate goal, right there. Ideal scenario is both. I mean, you know, but has there been like a Seth? Has there been like a cooling effect from some of the recent trades? Now, the Beal trade, I think we've got to just treat as its own separate thing because there's no trade clause on that. It's just it's very weird. So he had an undue amount of power, I think, in where he went. Well, yes. But I'm and thinking from, more from about that, Gobert, yeah. and I'm thinking more about, like, Donovan Mitchell. I, when I'm thinking about Lillard, those are the trades I'm comparing so to. So I think that the the Beal and Lillard, aside from the no trade, is a little bit comparable just because Lillard is in his mid-30s, and he's got yes. just a massive ballooning contract. Beal is in his early 30s, and is just— so He has, turns 30 yeah, this coming and season. Does, and doesn't really have a whole lot of chance of playing up to, to his, his, his current contract. And so— uh, the fact that it's like it's, it's a, a lot to take on, like just mechanically. Yeah. That it, it becomes difficult mechanically to do it, if nothing else. Um, and so those are different. Like, you know, Donovan Mitchell, good player. Like, he's he's in the, the area where you, it's not actually possible to overpay him. Uh, Gobert was possibly, like, at least in the short term, it didn't work very well last year, but I think in the short term, is the, the back end of that might be a little ugly. But I think... Uh, but because those deals have been made and, and Drew Holiday and, and all these other, like all the teams that are good, that have contracts that they could trade, take on this big asset, um, KD as well, 
uh, Irving, Kyrie in, in Dallas. Like all the picks and most of the young players that could go from a already good team to make sense to, to take on this star player, those have kind of all dried up. So it's as much that there's just there's, there's nobody with there's nobody with chips left at the table almost. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. I mean, one, first off, with the Rudy Gobert trade, I don't like using that as a comp for anything. Just because <laughs> one GM decided to be incredibly stupid. Excuse me, not GM, ownership. I think it was ownership right, pushed it. Right. But because one ownership group pushed them into it, it, it put Rudy Gobert in an impossible position to live up for to a trade that's impossible. The, the hall is impossible to live up to. No matter, I mean, Rudy would have to be the MVP, six man, and uh, defensive player of the year in the same season, like type of level for the amount of picks that they've given up and everything like that. So I don't like using that. But I do think the, the timing of this also screws Portland. And that's partly their fault. They are 50% at fault for this. They always could have traded Dame. They never had to wait for a trade demand for Dame in this in this regard. And I think if this was last summer, they could have gotten a massive haul for him. I feel like, again, as Seth was saying, the well is dried up a bit. I mean, the teams that people are talking about, Brooklyn. Could tra- if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not trading for Dame because I don't think I'm still a championship team after that. I'm, I don't think I'm a contender. Utah might be the one place where it, you can make the argument that he could be a contender and that stuff. And I remember, Dave, you said it. I don't know if I want to do that if I'm Utah. Do you know how goddamn good the West is? Just looking at all the damn teams, like that's a difficult position to put themselves. Like that, they are in a good position right now, and they have. It feels like every pick, and I just feel like they can wait for somebody that fits more their timeline. Yeah, Utah cannot rush the like. They that's, cannot rush it. Don't yeah. Don't push the the. I, for me, at least, like I, that's part of the problem in this whole trade thing for Dame, is I don't know where you can who well, really should be trading because the high end teams they're set at the top, right? Like we, you know, the, the Warriors can't get him, the Nuggets can't get him, the Suns can't get him, the Lakers can't get him, the Clippers probably can't get him. I don't think they have the assets to get him, but th- th- that maybe. Could could be a home for him. Like you, if you're just going down the list of contenders in the West, right? I don't think Portland would trade him to the West. I I think that that would be. A, I think that, that maybe is a little bit because it's already, you, they're why, already bad. Why, why why would you care? But it just feels like that that would be a thing I don't, that they I would don't, do. I don't think they'd care. But I but but I, I this don't thing think... where they have to trade him in Miami, by the way, is garbage. I I I, I can't believe I'm seeing people argue. That this team has to move him for a nothing package to Miami because they can't sign free. I'm sorry, man. What free agents has Portland ever signed? I mean, no. Uh, what a what a weird argument. This is going to be funny because I'm going to argue both sides here. This is great because um, I'm going to fight Dave on both ends or, or agree with him on one end and then, and then fight him fight on, me on fight, the other. Fight yeah. on another. He, you are 100% right. They don't have to abide by where Dame wants to go. This whole concept of if you don't do this, you'll never get free agents. Nobody wanted to go there when Dame was there. I mean, Mello basically refused for the longest time and then finally ended up there. But more importantly, that whole thing is a fallacy. Do you remember the Blake Griffin extension? They had, the, the Clippers had pulled out the whole four-court press to sign him at his shirt with, like, Nelson Mandela and, like, other, like, historical figures with his face on it. Six months later, traded him to Detroit. And everybody at that time, man, no free agent's going to sign there, da, 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 all that stuff. Man, they, Kawhi just said trade for Paul George and I'm coming. 
right? They've been able to sign free agents at this point with no real issues in SF. Now, whether they should have, different story, but that's that. The one thing I want to fight you on, Dave, that's not a nothing package that Portland has. It may not be the best possible package. You mean the that, Miami has. That, that yeah. Miami has. It may not be the seven or eight picks that sure, Utah sure. has or whatnot. But I'm telling you, Hero's not bad, but Hero's something they could spin off. I don't think Hero would be something they stay because I think he's redundant for them. Yaquez? Haquez. Haquez. Haquez and Jovic, good young players right there. Couple of draft picks and that stuff. This thing's going to also probably expand a three team, four team gonna trade. You're going to get you're going to get some other stuff out of this. Like I, I just feel like when we're talking about this is a nothing trade. Boston fans talking about Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams. You're talking about like like two injured dudes. I mean Brogdon already was in a trade. It got blown up because the team was like, Nah, we think he's really hurt. Like what, with what, a new thing that he's hurt with. Not what, even yeah. So like we're really going to tackle like that's that's a better offer like. Sorry, like I don't buy that. Like I feel like we're killing this Miami deal where it's like it's not may not be the best deal out there, but it's not the worst deal like the way we make it out to be. I yeah. think the thing that you said that was the the best there was noting that all of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but all of it was the best, but the bestest, 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 <laughs> the super bestest, the cherry on top of the Sunday with the sprinkles and the chocolate sauce and whatever else. In the, the waffle cone cup. We're getting ready to go to a mixer, by the way. Yeah. So there's going to be desserts. I think that Seth's got the dessert plate on his mind here. How dare you? <laughs> um, no, is the fact that, that, like, I think the focus of that being bad is, like, you're a rebuilding team. Why the hell do you want Tyler Harrow on a four-year contract? Right. Yeah. Well, they just gave Jeremy Grant five years. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's so. By the way, that's good money, and I mean, great money for him. And I don't know about the last two years of that deal, but I think that that's a totally fine contract, and it'll be move. They'll move him at the deadline. No, they won't. I think no, they will. They won't. No, it's Nobody's the, gonna fucking want Jeremy Grant for four years at that point. I don't. Somebody do the math. What, one hundred and thirty million? I I kind of agree with Mo, and I think that this is. I don't know if I don't, don't say if, that so hurtful. Like, do we have like, another. Do we have another bet here? <laughs> no, no, but no, no. I agree with Mo in that. Like, I, I think this is this is uh, you know the, a. I don't know if it's a mistake Portland made or Dame kind of screwed them. Like the the fact that they like that like especially going the fifth year on that, that doesn't strike me as something you do if you think, gee, we're gonna have to turn around and trade Dame. I'm gonna throw out two things here. One, I think the. The idea that Dame screwed them or whatnot, I think both sides had did a terrible job reading the room. Like, I don't know what Dame thought was going to be the masterful free agent move they were going to pull off so that he'd demand a trade 36 hours after the uh, free agency began. I don't know what Portland thought they were going to be able to pull off before free agency when they're talking to Dame going, like, we're going to build around you. Like, the idea of bringing, re-signing Grant, who, like, people are, people push back on me, like, oh, he averaged 20 points and was kind of an all-star, like, all that stuff. Like, yeah, you didn't make the freaking playoffs, like the play-in tournament with all that stuff. But the other thing, too, and I think teams need to start thinking about this here a little bit, and this is kind of a broader topic and a little bit, you guys can tell me I'm crazy or whatnot. We've gotten so afraid of losing an asset. We sign him to a, a, a situation where he's not an asset anymore. He's no longer a tradable asset. Like at a certain point, you got to kind of look around and go, let him walk. What was the market for him? 
Who was signing him? Kuzma returned back well, to the Wizards. Kuzma, Kuzma had to stay. Barnes had to stay. Collins I mean, went to Utah. The, uh, for Barnes basically did, nothing. Yeah, and, and Sacramento kept Barnes. Like, what was his market to get a five-year, $160 million deal? Like, at that point, at two, if, I, if you're Cronin, you just have to be like, man, you could just don't be so damn afraid to lose the asset for nothing. This isn't the, the Mavs with Jalen Brunson. Right. I guess the counterpoint is if a team holds the line, and and I know we've we've sort of we've we've litigated the Toronto situation a fair amount, but if a team holds the line and the guy does leave, we're like, oh, they, so it's there's a little bit of 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 kind of damn if they do, damn if they don't. I have I I think we I know we want to to wrap this yeah, topic. Yeah, I I wonder if it this whole dance is like neither side wanting to be the bad guy. And it's which is understandable. Nobody Dame wants, is, and it's a PR yeah, thing, well, Dame, right? Dame, Dame has been a great player in Portland and has enmeshed himself by all accounts in that community. And the team would like to do right by him because blah blah blah. I wonder how much of this sort of dance about not wanting to be the bad guy is a result of how much this Dame has to get traded thing has been incepted over the last four years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been insane. And the I, fact that it's been I'm, talked about way before it was actually even a thing makes it so well. I'm not I don't want to be the one who who does it, who says the thing. It doesn't seal, seem like it's a like there's no animosity it seems. It doesn't seem like anybody yeah. it's it, well, right. Yeah, that's the thing. How uncomfortable is Portland willing to get with you know, Damian Lillard who's one of the five best players in their history? I think How that, uncomfortable is Dame going to get? And, and this is this is here's another thing though. If you're Portland, you need to start it. The rebuild's coming. Time to turn the page. You need to rip that Band-Aid off and get to it so that you don't waste any of Scoot at all. Like, you need to just hand him the keys day one, go stink it up. He's going to be amazing at some point. Live with the bumps and just get there. Clear the decks, open up playing time, and, and, and figure it out. But... Just like we talk about with firing a coach. Like, if you've decided that the coach should be gone, the coach needs to get gone so the new guy can get started. Getting him in there before a training camp, not in midseason. Uh, and I think that this this is a scenario where if I'm Portland, I mean, yes, you want to wait for the best deal to develop, but I want to have this done before training camp. I don't want to go into next season and just waste that time for my young guys. You you want the, the best example of that, from last year is Utah. We talked about this. We wanted them, you know, uh, they're, they're going in, new coach, first-time coach. Uh, he doesn't, he's a substitute teacher if they go into camp with, with Donovan Mitchell on that roster. And they did it before camp, so he got to, I, you know, it's, you don't want to say it's, it's complete cause and effect, but I think the fact that they played the style he wanted to play from day one was because he got to go in and it wasn't, uh, Donovan, where are you going today? All training camp. It was just about the work, and so I think that's that is that is a completely fair point. Um, I would have been fine if if Denver if Portland had traded Scoot and tried to make one more same game. same. I, they look, just didn't pick a lane. I also that's the biggest that's the biggest sin of the entire thing is that Portland didn't make a decision. They really just kept kicking the can down the road because this is something that should have started at the lottery. You get you're you're the number three pick. That thing is getting shopped. We got Damian Lillard. We got Jeremy Grant, who we're probably going to bring back. I mean, you know, it it's uh, it, it's to me, 
that's where they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and then the, just the mistakes that they made in that sense of this whole two timeline stuff and this whole, you know, the it wasn't even two timelines. They weren't successful in the first timeline. <laughs> like, this is the thing I kind of keep going back to. You guys weren't a good team. You weren't. You were a team that was, hey, maybe we make the play-in tournament. And then you and then you shut down Dame. Like, that was the whole thing, you know? And that's like, come on. Like, this is the, the problem with the Blazers, I think. And it also goes all the way to the top because they don't know who ownership's going to be. Because she's got to sell the team. She hasn't yet. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It always starts at the top. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we're we're here, at, like Dave and I have been at, at an a, a summit for athletic writers all day today. And one of the articles that was referenced, and I, I you know, I encourage people who are, who are subscribers, and why not if you aren't, it's an article Jason Quick wrote uh, earlier in the year. It's called The, the Tao of Spo. And the thing that stuck out to me, and it, it's not a quote from Spo, it's people talking about him because he doesn't he doesn't do interviews and talk about himself, uh, was after their after the the Heatles kind of first loss in the finals, he basically decided I'm never going to run away from an uncomfortable situation and an uncomfortable, um, you know, con- conversation, uh, and I think that that if we wanted to boil it down to the franchises that do things well. And the ones that just kind of bob along and find themselves in these impossible situations because they waited too long to have the uncomfortable conversation. Well, Portland's look. I, I mean, we could go. We could do a whole podcast on just kind of wh- here's what's gone wrong in the last five years in Portland. I mean, it, like Chauncey Billups as head coach has been. I mean, it, the, it's the, been kind of like a waste a little bit of the last couple of years of Dame. Their, you, you know their 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 biggest sin was holding on to CJ too long, and when it was clear this this wasn't going to work, and all that, and you know they they make the conference finals. You can argue that year, the conference finals was really the second round with the Warriors versus the Rockets, and all of that stuff. But the ultimate thing is the the they felt like that was something, and we we hit teams all the time, right? Like you believe into this. And then you think you're that team, and they weren't. And then they held on to CJ too long. That small defensive backcourt didn't work. Traded CJ, and guess what? They still have a small defensive uh, uh, a backcourt with no defense with with Simons and Dame, and now with Scoot and all that. Like they're making the same mistakes over and over again. And their original sin was holding on to CJ too long. Yeah. Uh, you guys got anything as we wrap up? No, I just we we didn't really we haven't really talked since since free agency, and I just. Um... 
I I don't know if it's a mea culpa, but something that I've been realizing the the Lakers have had a very good offseason. They've had a good and, yeah, six and months. And I think that I think that when we I mean, first of all, their their trades at the deadline last year worked out better for them last season than we expected. But they also set them up very well for this offseason. I didn't like every deal they made. I thought that like they gave Hachimura maybe a little too much money. I don't know if I'd have wanted if I'd have wanted uh, Russell back, but like getting like Reeves and keeping Hachimura and and adding Gabe Vincent to a very re- like the fact that they already had a sensible team in place that they got in place at the deadline last year really put them in position to have a plan and really they're starting to resemble the kinds of team that you want to build around. Like, I don't know, wow. <laughs> like, what do you want to put around LeBron and AD? It's like, oh, wow, this look, that looks doesn't not look like the bubble team. Um, and so I just, you know, um, I think we get, especially in season, we get so focused on, like, that, that I think realizing how well they set themselves up was, 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 was as important as what it did for them last year. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and again, just sober moves. For the Lakers. That's the biggest thing. Like, even the Hachimura thing. I don't care. Like, the money doesn't bother me as much. Um, they they needed to bring him back. I mean, this is the... Sure. Isn't he the best, uh, highest three-point shooting percentage in playoff history? Well... He was great in the playoffs. Uh, Mo, you, you got anything else? Nothing. I'm just... Uh, we we didn't even touch on the Harden... Oh, well... Trade stuff, but that's... we Listen, the Blazers can't go into training camp with... With Damian Lillard, I won't be surprised if the Sixers go into training camp with with Harden. And the funny thing is, is I I think that like we talked about being uncomfortable, Dame's going to show up, and and also Dame would not only show up. I don't think Dame would make it uncomfortable. I actually think I, Dame. You could trust Dame with the young guys. I, I think that on the other hand, I'd be more worried if I'm Philly. I'm way more worried about Joel Embiid. That I am about whatever return I'm getting for James Harden. It, just so the people who think that it's okay for for Morey to do this and do it again, that's going to be two out of three years that Embiid's going to be in this type of situation. You already got a new coach I this just, year too. I just and that you're you're setting up. It's exactly what we talked about with with Utah last year. You're setting your guy up with failure. But I just I know we got to go. Just real quickly, the uh, uncomfortable thing. You cannot be in this business. If you're afraid of confrontation, if you're afraid of being uncomfortable at times and in uncomfortable situations, because this whole fucking thing is built on you're going to be uncomfortable. You have to go out of your comfort zone to do things and get to these levels. And there's going to be times where you're going to have to fight with your star player or your GM or the GM's got to fight with the owner or whatnot. You have to be prepared for that. If you're going to be good, you can survive by not doing that. And uh, a couple years ago at Sloan, Billy Bean was up on stage and, and, and he talked about how organizations sort of pick up these people that are just there forever and stay through regime right. changes and they survive. And he's, and he said, so I, it's going to be a not exact quote, but he basically said survivors are the death of an organization because they're, they're people who have learned to not have those conversations. You never have those conversations. You'll never be wrong. Keep your head down. I'm still here. I don't understand the point of that. But I think that, again, that the orgs that don't do that, an ethos of, no, screw it, we're going we're gonna to do the thing, that's the thing that sets the good from the bad. Yep. Uh, would you like to try to do the outro? Oh, God, no, no. 
after no he fucked up the thing after the first four words <laughs> come on Seth uh, uh, alright that's gonna do it for the show folks thank you guys for listening for Seth Part now Moda Kill I'm Dave DeFore and this is Nerder she wrote on the Athletic NBA show at Summer League threats As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.